0: Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast. The Boots on the Ground Podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the bootcamp live from Alpharetta, Georgia here. Uh, getting to hang out with all of our other NAM staff right. for the week. And uh, we got to be away from our families and our puppies and our bunnies. <laughs> but we're here serving you, the boot campers, because we love you.
1: We are so excited to be uh, face-to-face. Is one of those few times in the years that Jimbo and I get to uh, spend some time actually in the same room. And um, this is ground zero for the COVID outbreak at the Replant Summit. Of, yes. Uh, 2021, I believe, last, was it yep.
0: last year? Yeah, like the summit last year when, yeah, Kyle and you mm-hmm. and and then I got handed everything yep. and you just left.
1: <laughs> I, it was like I committed a crime. I had to leave quickly. <laughs> oh, was, Kyle Bierman was patient zero. And interestingly enough, Jimbo, Kyle's not here because you know why? He, was he got exposed, exposed, to exposed to COVID. So he's quarantining. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we miss him uh being here. But uh here we are in the same hotel where I think Kyle spent about a week and a half maybe yeah. uh locked in a room and uh, I think
0: he's probably grateful not- It's a nice hotel. Oh beautiful. But he's probably grateful to not be in this hotel again.
1: Yeah, and this hotel, Jimbo, is it, is it this hotel where uh the Replant Summit participants are gonna be staying at? This is it. Yeah. Right.
0: This is and so just so you know, uh if if, if you are one of the ones that got a free hotel, those yep. are gone by the way. Yeah. Uh, then this is the, the, the Avalon mm-hmm. Alpharetta is, mm-hmm. is most likely where you'll be staying. And it's, man, it's really nice. They give us a sweet deal. Yeah. Uh, and so you're going to feel like you're living in luxury.
1: So for those of you who show up here and you see the swankiness, and this is this is a high-end area, Jim. Bro. It is. There's got like Tesla and a Mac store and like Lululemon and like yeah. all of these other places that I have no idea what they sell, but they're high-end. Yeah. Just so the I want the – Listener to understand, it's cheaper for us to house people here because of the deal we get yeah. than down the road at the janky uh, name brand rec- recognized <laughs> hotel where you think, I'm going to save some money by going there. Yeah. It's cheaper to do it here because we get such a good contract.
0: Yeah, they give us such a good contract. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing guys at the Replant Summit. It actually won't be too late for people to sign up if they're listening to this podcast uh, the day it goes out, um, we've got a few couple weeks more that you can register for the Replant Summit, and we'd love to see you there. We've got uh, close to 200 registered right now. Awesome. And uh, looking forward to seeing everybody for sure. Great breakout for the
1: wives. And, yes. Uh, so we're super pumped about all of that.
0: Man, let's talk a little bit today about um, so we've talked about the difference between replanting and revitalization. We had a church planter on to talk mm-hmm. about the difference between those things. Uh, One of the common issues that we see, uh, you and I both, as we're out working with churches, and as we have seen from others that are serving with churches, uh, sometimes we assume that revitalization is always the right option and not replanting. Like it seems like it's hard sometimes for churches to recognize. When do I need to really see that I need we need to be
1: replanted versus
0: revitalized?
1: Sure. So, kind of an analogy is uh, diet change versus heart surgery, right? Mm-hmm. So, to speak. So, a little less salt on the French fries, not not as much gravy on the uh, what's that e- egg in a hole? Or what is that one saying? Well, there's no gravy on your egg in a hole. Okay. You but... can <laughs> <laughs> see I'm if not you put, a, if like... you put the gravy on your egg in a hole, you probably got issues. All right. So anyway. But it's like most people want to choose revitalization because it's the least invasive. Yeah. Right. And it's, we still can do it ourselves. We got a shot. So one of the things I will say to the to church is, and because invariably they say this, well, Jesus, didn't he say that all things are possible? He did. He, he said it. He said it. And here's he what I say to them. Hey, look, um, all things are possible, right? Revitalization is always possible. Always. But here's the key. Sometimes it's just not probable. Yeah. Possible, but not always probable. Yeah. And, and Jimbo, I was consulting a church a couple of weeks ago um, in uh, south of St. Louis, a church that lives in a village. So, so in in Missouri, there are you know towns and cities and villages are kind of these unincorporated, like a group collection of houses. And so this was a, a very rural uh, congregation. Jimbo, they were down to five people the pastor and his wife made up two of the five, a longtime church lady. And then another uh, couple that had moved in. They just lost two uh, parishioners to or congregants to death. Like they died. And uh, so five people hanging on to, to uh, try to see what they could do. And so we went through the process of kind of looking at their data and examining their context. And we came back with a conversation to set, look, um, you probably need a partner to come in here. Yeah. Like, Reva, they're, they're of the age where they can't drive at night. They can't walk to do visitation. They can't do all of the things to reach their community that a church might do. They have just a little bit of money in the bank and they have people who don't attend the church sponsoring them, basically sending money in to keep this church afloat. Yeah. So, is revitalization possible? Yeah. It's yeah. possible. Is it probable? No. And, and so I think that the hard part for me is, and for a lot of churches, is coming to understand what does that really mean for us in our context?
0: Yeah, I think of, so I was just reading, I'm reading through the Experiencing God book right now, uh, Henry and Richard Blackaby and Claude King. And uh, I, on Monday mornings, my wife and I do a Facebook kind of live to talk through a book, and that's the one we're doing right now. And the one we did this week it tells the story of when Henry felt called to move from Los Angeles to Saskatoon to this church with 10 people, and uh, they not only wanted to see that church come back to life, but wanted to plant new missions all over Canada. And, and it's really this incredible story in the chapter, and I thought about even this conversation um, with that. And part of me was like, you, you could read that and you could go, well, this is, this is what we're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, and man, I, I would love to see that happen. But you also recognize, like, there's a reason that Henry Blackaby was able to then write a book that became like world renowned for for generations. <laughs> and let's not forget this fact: he's Henry Blackaby. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is this was a unique scenario. Yeah. Right. And um and so I was thinking about this situation the other day of how do we as as we're talking to a church because. I'm an eternal optimist, Bob, and so there's a part of me that's always like, man, well, let's just go for it. Like, I, it's just always my inclination. Like, sure, I don't know how we're gonna make it work, but let's make it work <laughs> and let's figure it out. Um, And I, so I started asking myself this question because, because even with that, with that mentality, when you say well, it's possible, not probable, that, that kind of even goads me to go. Well, then let's make it happen. Like, yeah, you said it's you said it's possible. You just said it's not probable, which means it'd be
1: even cooler if it happened so let's do it yeah 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 but you are a different kind of leader right and and this is i think goes to the heart of of what we're um at least highlighting as as a reality right so yeah. um when uh when we were consulting a church another church a different church um uh, there were seven people in the church two were the pastor and his wife all senior adults they all did not live in the area they came uh, from way outside the area into the city, and and were part of the church, and so we met him at the Panera Bread company in St. Louis. So we just called it the Bread Co. So we rolled in there, and the guy had one of the biggest three-ring binders I had ever seen in my entire life, and he had printed page after page of blog posts, Facebook posts, leadership church leaders articles, all it's any that written on revitalization. He had printed it off. And put it in this notebook. And so he just starts turning pages and flipping like it's a like it's a playbook, like an NFL yeah. kind of playbook. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, well, we swept left. That didn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Here's what <laughs> we're gonna do. So he just started lining it up. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, brother. So I asked him, you know, how many people are in your church? What's average age, et cetera, you know, all those sorts of things. Do you live in the community? No. Do you know your community? No, not really. And I just, you know, I just said, hey, bro, like you are trying to run NFL plays. And you've got like maybe um, uh, the the resources you have and the people that you have are not able to run those plays. Mm. Like you just can't do it, right? Yeah, because because they can't get out in the community and visit, right? Yeah, they they don't live there. They don't know those folks, and and mean they could, but physically, some most yeah. of them couldn't do it, right? And so I I think there there is a place where you have to. To look at some reality. And again, you know, I'm thinking, you know, with Jesus and the fish. And you know, it's like we just give him our little and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is hundred percent true. But Jimbo, I don't think that there are many people who are down to a state of like critical decline where it's just a handful of folks that can turn it around. I, I think it is possible, but it's just not probable.
0: Well, and I would say is look, if if the Holy Spirit makes it really clear. And in the same chapter that Blackaby introduces this story, he talks about the importance of not just going off of your gut. Yeah. He talks about if we're going to follow God's will, there's a few things we need. One, we we need a prompting of the Holy Spirit. We need it confirmed in Scripture, and we need it confirmed with wise counsel. Okay. That's, that's the three things that Blackaby kind of emphasizes yeah. in this chapter. Well, it, it got me thinking— because I thought, what is a biblical story of, of us kind of assuming and going the wrong direction? And I don't want to use this analogy because it's offensive to use this analogy, I think.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh, listener warning.
0: <laughs> but the, the story that came to my mind is Ishmael. Okay. Right? So, so Abraham and Sarah, I have gotten a promise from God that they will have descendants that, that are more than the, the stars in the sky. But they're getting old and and they're realizing the probabilities are decreasing, but so they come up with their own plan. And here's the thing: does their plan technically somewhat accomplish the beginnings of a goal? Kind of. I mean, it produces an offspring, but God's very clear that this was not. How this was what like this this there was a there was a right way to do this yeah and they jumped ahead of what God wanted and assumed that they had a way to figure out how to do it and then the other one I think is is Moses striking the rock and just keep doing the same thing and and maybe it's gonna work the reason I think maybe it's offensive like I mean it's a really messed up situation how Ishmael comes to be. But it's kind of messed up when we ignore wise counsel and we just go off our gut and we just go, well, then, you know, it's it's like we've left it completely in God's, like on God's responsibility to revive this church without us having any part of it. And it's one thing to put things in God's hands, which as we should, and put them at the feet of the cross. But ever since Adam and Eve were created, God has always chosen to work through the obedience of his people. Yeah, and and so the question I think we have to ask is not even how probable is this? Is I mean is is God is God giving us a, a direction here, and, and is God called us to Because if God says, "Hey, Henry Black could be type guy is going to show up, and we're going to see God do unbelievable things," and you've heard that clearly, then man, then do it. But I would not march into the Red Sea just assuming God's going to split it. Sure. Unless God said, hey, I need you to walk into the Red Sea, and I'm going to take care of you.
1: All right. So counterpoint to that. All right. Let's hear it. Is, um, we tend to spiritualize a lot of things. Yeah. Right. And so for, first and foremost, I don't think we could ever roll into a church and presume to know as an outsider who participates minimally, in interacting with that group of people and their leaders what god would be saying to them right yeah i think that'd be that'd be a mistake yeah right but i think we do have a a experience and a background to be able to ask probing questions and to make observations about Mm -hmm. what we see yeah right and so i think the congregation sometimes congregations and leaders sometimes over-spiritualize their decisions by saying, well, the Lord is doing some things. Okay, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we had a family that visited, you know, last week or three months ago. All right, well, did they stick around? Well, no, but we had a visiting family three months. So I think the Lord is doing something. Yep. Well, yep. I want to be very careful to to, to speak either in, in affirmation of that or contrary to that. But I, I think the three things that you highlighted that the the confirmation of the word of God, the Holy spirit and the community of faith yeah. believers, like that's really key. Yeah. Right. And so you can, you know, you can go on that for a, a long time believing. And and the other thing too is, is the guys in, and, and I made a tweet this, uh, I, I had a tweet, made a tweet. What did, to you tweet. tweeted. I tweeted. Sorry. Yeah, I think you just say you tweeted. Hey, I'm getting old, Jimbo. That's yeah, all right. I'm okay. okay. Um, double um, nickels. Yes, double nickels. Um, so I tweeted this week about, uh, uh, you know, some people just think you, just get right the, you get the right leader and then everything's going to turn around. Well, a, there's not a single source solution to a church that's been in decline for decades. Yeah. Right? There's multiple issues. And so you need more than a leader. You need more than just a ready church. You need more than the right context. You really need the work of God. Yeah. And so, so we also see that there has to be a humility in the body to go before the Lord and to look honestly at where they are and maybe where the Lord is leading them, but also to do an honest evaluation of, of what their level of obedience and faithfulness and surrender, Mm -hmm. uh, it is for the moment yeah. right. So the church I was consulting, we were saying, okay, let me ask you a question: If you were all, uh, if you all had reached young people and stayed, uh, you know, at a, at a healthy level of attendance and membership and activity admission, how would the church look different? And so they begin to list off all these things, like, well, we'd probably have screens, we probably have these kinds of ministries, we probably do midweek, we, the building would probably be refreshed and painted and all these sorts of things. And I say, okay, great. So if you're going to reach young people and young families now, are you prepared to embrace those changes? And they paused, right? Yeah. Because they didn't know if they were ready or not. Yeah. And then another question: If you have some kids show up, who's, who among you is going to be ready to handle uh, children's ministry? Do you have a plan? Like, who, who's going to do that? Like, yeah. what do you need to change in the building? Is your is your kids' classrooms? Are your kids' classrooms are they are they clean and safe and ready to go? And, and if they're not. How are you gonna do that, right? Yeah. Are you gonna how are you gonna prepare that among yourselves? Because they they were resistant to outside partners coming in and helping them, and so they didn't they couldn't imagine how they would get ready and prepare for God to to bring them what they hoped God would bring them. They just were kind of hoping and thinking and praying. Well, maybe some miracle is going to happen. Right? Yeah. Like something's going to happen. Well, I, I think yes. But one of my favorite passages is Second Kings three the kings come together and they go fight against Moab and God leads them to a desert and the desert's, you know, dry and, and, uh, everybody starts complaining, you know, like, uh, what, why did we just, why did we come out here that, that, you know, just to die together, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so is there a prophet of the Lord may inquire of him? And, and so they, they pray and, uh, they inquire of the prophet and the prophet says, make this valley full of ditches. Right. And what is that, What is that, you know, think about Jimbo, if you're in a desert, Like I was in San Antonio a couple weeks ago, Jimbo. It was so hot. I couldn't even think outside. It was just like, I mean, we took Daisy Pup and she was like, what did you guys do? You know, like it was just, I mean, it was crazy hot, but like way hotter than that. No water in a desert. You got to dig ditches. And and why are we digging ditches? This doesn't make any sense. And uh, second Kings three said, you'll neither see wind nor rain but this valley will be full of water, right? Mm -hmm. So they go to sleep, wake up the next morning. And as the sun is coming up over the mountain, water's in the ditches and the opposing army sees it and they see the red in it. They think they've all killed each other. (laughs) There's bloods all over the ground, right? And so then they they come over, you know, kind of just like, if you already think you've got this one, you're coming over, not ready to fight. And so then the, the Israelites, so they, and Judah, they rise up and they go against them, right? And they take out the army. And uh, and so a great victory is after. But what did they have to do? They had to dig the ditches in preparation for the water to be given to them so they could drink it, but also so they would give them a victory. And I think what I see is a lot of churches don't want to dig the ditches. Mm. They just want God to show up and do something for
0: yeah. them. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say far less eloquently than you just did. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, of you know, I think sometimes when we there's a laziness to saying, "Well, God's just going to come through with a miracle um I mean if he's told you that but but almost always that's God speaks through his prophets and speaks through his his spirit in ways that says like, "Hey, go dig a ditch." Yeah. Hey, bring me those cisterns, fill them with water. Yeah. Hey, bring me the five loaves and the two fish. And then you are going to do the work of breaking it and taking it out to everyone. Like he always brings us in as co-laborers, co-heirs in in, in the process. And so, so even I think of the whole reticence to partnership, I struggle with that. Because partnership is such a biblical idea. And even if you look at the Blackaby story in Saskatoon, Part of the miracle there was not Henry Blackaby. It was it was that Henry is like a George Mueller type praying guy, yeah. Yeah. and he would pray, and people would just show up, and these partners would like like literally, these people would just show up, and then checks would just show up, and mission teams would just show up, and and so it wasn't that God did all this through Henry Blackaby, it's that God Henry Blackaby prayed and he sought the Lord, and then the Lord provided partners. That church didn't become healthy just under the leadership of Henry Blackaby. Yeah, that's a good perspective. That's, that, yeah. that God provided partners, and man, I don't, I don't know. I just, I would love to see a day when partnership is not seen as a negative. When, when we just like to go, oh, we're you don't have to think, oh, we're so sick that we need partners. That's one way to look at that. The other way to look at that is. Praise God, we are part of the body of Christ universal. And there are other brothers and sisters that love Jesus like we love Jesus, that preach the gospel like we preach the gospel, and they want to help us. Mm-hmm. And in a Galatians 6 moment, we've got a burden that's too heavy for us to carry. Yeah, And and so others are going to come help carry that and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. Love it. That, that, that's what, like, I just— In my mind, I just go because when I was pastor replant, man, I looked for partners everywhere. Yes, (laughs) everywhere. Yes, because as a replanter, we know, man, we're sick. (laughs) Like, man, man. I need partners, bro. Like, we did so many things with so many churches. I didn't even care if they were healthy. I just (laughs) look. Let's. So we we had worship nights when it was like seven churches and there'd only be eighty five people there. But we would, and and the reason I did that, was like, because we're seven small churches and none of us could have a worship night with 85 people right now. But if we all come together, then we could have, how fun would it be for 85 people to be together? And we're not trying to compete with each other. And there's, we've got to move away from competitive thinking. Yeah. And, 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 and part of competitive thinking that we don't often think is competitive thinking is that like, we don't need outside partners to come in because... We're not that bad off, or they're going to take some control away from us. So they're, yeah, look, cooperation takes sacrifice. Mm-hmm.
1: It always does. It always will. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I mean, sacrifice is part of following Jesus. Yeah. part of, And sacrifice is, and this is where I think the church that we were doing the consultation with really struggled, sacrifice with preference. How, yep. how are we going to do yep. things? like So um, one of our children um, will have a physical need um, and, um you know when you're not feeling well you're kind of sick what do you do you go to dad you go to mom well most kids go to mom right so they go to mom and mom's you know barb's got you know all these home remedies and all these things that she's does and all this kind of stuff so one of our kids would say you know mom i don't feel well so she'd come to the child and and say well um i've got well i've got this and uh i think this would help you no i don't want to do that okay well i've got this and i think this would help you no i don't want to do that either I got this and I think this would help you. No, I don't want to do that. So she was like, okay. Was like, that child of ours, all that child wants to do is just complain about being sick. Right. They don't want to receive any help. Yeah. I don't want to do that. It's like, it's like, yeah. Okay. So, so she's taking a different approach. She has to take a different approach and she has to draw it out. So, okay, well, what do you, what, how can I help you? Right. What can I do? Yeah. Right. And so when we talk to a church that's struggling, or even if you're a boot camp listener here and your, your church is struggling, you might could say, well, what should we do or what can we do? Let's think about some options. And then Phil, most churches don't, though, that are in decline, they don't have a, a whiteboard Jimbo. They still have the chalkboard. Mm-hmm. So go to Walmart, get some chalk, go to Hobby Lobby. I think they have chalk there Hobby Lobby. Yeah. And get the chalk and then write on the chalkboard. And what what are our options? What can we do? Get them moving, right? Get them thinking about what the options are. And then looking at those options, thinking, which of these could we do better if somebody was here to help us Yeah, do this, right? And stu- you're starting to get them to move forward in momentum, right? Yeah. And rather than just saying, immediately go into partnership, right? Yeah. Which of these could we do? Which of them could we not do? Which of them could we do if we had a partner, right? And why don't we try that just as yeah. an option? Like, like try to reach our community with a partner, yeah, and see what happens, and uh, do community outreach. So, I think is it possible to revitalize a church? Yes. Is it probable? Eh, depends. Sometimes. But sometimes depends on the on the readiness of the congregation, on the spiritual work that's taken place, and uh, and so I think we want to encourage our listeners just to remember um, if you're in a tough spot in a tight spot and you're thinking, man, I don't know if it's possible. It's always possible. Is it probable? It remains to be seen.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess I would want to say maybe the default should be, who are the partners that can help us figure this out? Mm-hmm. Like I, I just think that should be a default question from the beginning. Um, like where, where do we have people that could help us do this better? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to become a campus of somebody okay. or, or change your name or, but I don't know why you would try to do it alone. I, I just can't imagine. That's just not in my mindset. I can't imagine trying to do that alone. And look, I don't know that there's anything that will kill your probabilities faster than holding on to preferences. Mm-hmm. That's pride. Pride. I mean, that's it, pride. Pride and holding on to preferences will kill your chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, God God opposes the proud, mm-hmm. but he gives grace to the humble. And um I don't. I don't think we want to be opposed by God. No. Nope. And so, approach it in humility, man, and figure out partnership. Don't don't assume that self guided revitalization is the right answer or or even the only answer. Uh, default to a posture of partnership. All right, boot campers, great to have you with us. I hope that we get to meet you in person at the Replant Summit later this month. Uh, hit us up if you're going to be there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180. O N E E I G H T Y dot church to learn more about how 180 can help your church
1: move forward.